0: Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer, Susan Slusser, and today we will be joined by A's starter, Jarrell Cotton, who's coming back from Tommy John surgery, performed last year, and will start a rehab assignment at Stockton on Friday. He'll tell us how his efforts to get back to the major leagues are going. Then A's pre and post game show host Chris Townsend stops by. We'll talk about all the A's most recent news, including trading Kendrys Morales to the Yankees and the recent difficulties the bullpens had. All of that next on A's Plus. Today our guest on the A's Plus podcast is A's pitcher Jarrell Cotton, who is very close to going on an assignment, minor uh, rehab assignment with the A's. We're heading to Stockton soon, is that right, Jarrell? On Friday, I believe?
1: Yes, ma'am. came uh, heading to Stockton on Friday. I'm actually flying to Oakland tonight. Oh, that's
0: that's so terrific. Can... So you're what are you what are you doing in Oakland? Are you getting like sort of a last medical check? What's happening?
1: don't uh, no, I'm just gonna uh, work out with uh... With like Terrence and some of the guys in Oakland, just get re- get me ready for uh, Friday.
0: Oh, that's great. Um, are you on a pitch count? Is there an in- innings limit? What's your understanding about what will happen on Friday?
1: I think what I've been told was I have a fifty or fifty-five pitch limit, three inning three inning limit. Um, so I'm just trying to go out there and, of course, meet meet those expectations. Though
0: so tell us a little bit about your rehab um obviously it's been more than a year since your tommy john surgery which was in march of last year um what have you been doing here like the last month and a half uh, especially while you've been in extended spring training in arizona
1: we has been good so far you know uh, i've been hanging out with the boys jesus and puck and some of the other minor leaguers who are coming back um it's uh for me it's been a grind a little bit you know it's i won't say smooth sailing i've had my ups and downs but um i've been told that's going to happen um so every week it's been getting better and i mean i've been happy with the progress and now of course it's time to to uh unleash the wings go out there and uh compete again and i'm i'm excited about that
0: what what was the biggest challenge during during your rehab what's what's been the hardest part
1: um controlling my uh effort uh of course as an athlete you want to go out there you want to you want to bust your butt and go at it a hundred percent, but you can't do that. You know, you got to take your time with this process. And for me, I don't think I was doing a great job at that. But of course I've, I was learning, learning my body and learning when to push it. And not when to push it. And I think that's been helped me a lot.
0: Did you have any physical setbacks at any point? Were it like, Were there times where you just felt like you couldn't go or any other body parts that kind of suddenly randomly sort of started hurting as you were ramping things back up?
1: Uh, no, I won't say that. Um, just some few aches and stuff like that. But just by controlling my effort, I w- I've been able to make every single uh, rehab sim game live BP, you know. But um, it's it's been it's been a grind. Let me tell you, that's been a grind. But um, just with Lefty and the training, the training staff in Arizona, you know, just working with them, they've helped me get through this grind.
0: Uh, how's your stuff look right now? Were were you pretty happy with it? Would, do you feel like you're sharp? What's it like right now?
1: Um, I'm pretty happy with it. I, I would say in the beginning, like in my first live BP sessions, um, I was all over the place, you know, but the fact of the matter is I felt good and I was happy with that. I was happy with feeling good. Um, I wasn't sharp. I wasn't sharp, of course, but, uh, after that, I've been ironing things out and with every single uh, live vp or uh, extended sim game it's been getting sharper and sharper after that so right now i'm happy with what it's looking like right now um i would say i'm close to full strength so that's a big that's a big progress right there and now i just gotta get in front of the, the crowd and get some more adrenaline going and see how that feels
0: yeah that extra adrenaline you get that's um you know that that's probably going to be a real kind of key for you to see how you re- react to that really <laughs>
1: Exactly. I just got to take some some deep, big breaths and (laughs) go out there and just have fun with the boys. Uh,
0: Now, is there anything that in particular that throughout this process or from this point on that you really want to work on? Some guys use, you know, a long rehab to work on other things, other parts of their game or their conditioning or, you know, smoothing something out. Is there anything else that you kind of want to get done or that you have gotten done?
1: Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, you know, moving out my mechanics of course, you know of course just trying to be a, a pitcher again, learn you know, like uh working my off speed pitches for strikes, you know, I think I've uh in in the past they weren't the numbers weren't that great on my off speed pitches. So like right now I'm just taking the time to command the off speed and get the command of the fastball as well. So that's that's what I've been doing the entire time. Uh I think Lefty did a good job of drilling it into my head that you know, it's not about going out there and uh, trying to blow guys away, but try to, you know, pitch and command the pitches that you want to throw in and out, up and down. And, of course, it's secondary stuff. And I think so far I've been doing a good job at that, so I'm happy with the, the progress so far.
0: Has there been anybody that's been particularly helpful to you going through this process that's been through it before? I mean, obviously the A's have, you know, any like every team, have a number of guys that have been through Tommy John surgery.
1: I mean, early on, Bassett helped me a lot, Um, but I think it was probably mostly lefty and uh, just the other guys who was rehabbing with me, you know, just talking to them, coming to the ballpark every day, asking them how they were feeling, like, what are you feeling? How are you doing this? Help me with this, like, stuff like that. Even the minor leagues I've been talking to about it, uh, who's going through the same ground with me, and just bouncing ideas off of each other, and it's been very helpful, Um, so Yeah.
0: Yeah, you and A.J. Puck, I'm, I'm imagining, have gotten pretty close through all of this because your surgeries were essentially in the same week, right?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, me and A.J. Puck, we've been uh, communicating a lot, you know, here and there. And, of course, I saw him every single day. And I think he was throwing partners with uh, Heath Donica. So, like, those guys were more buddy-buddy. <laughs> but, you know, I've just, just been watching them pitch and seeing how they go about it. And, like I said, for me, like, I don't think I was going about it the best way. Um, just watching AJ Puck and how he did it with Heath, like I think that was the best way. And uh, they did it by the book. And after following, after seeing that, I tried. I followed in their footsteps and I started doing it by the book. And everything started going better. Um, I just I think like watching Puck through, and he was just low effort throwing, uh, throwing really really fast. And I was like, well, wow, like he's not even pushing it. And I've asked him like, hey, have you been pushing it? He was like, no. So by just seeing that, it forced me to take a step back and be like, you know what, like I'm trying to go out there and try to go as hard as you can. Just step back and be smooth. And after doing that, like everything's been a lot better for me.
0: Yeah, that's yeah the effort level. So that's really kind of been the key is holding back a little bit.
1: Yeah, holding back and no one went to get after it and I went to get after it.
0: Uh, how are guys like Puck, um Jesus Lazardo, how, how have they looked from from the, the most recent times you've seen them?
1: Oh no, they're they're looking really, really good. Uh Puck uh, dominant, Sharp. I think he's I don't think he's given up a hit yet. He's stri- striking everyone out and uh today was uh I think Jesus' first bullpen and we played catch together, a long toss together and he threw his bullpen beside me and uh he looked he looked pretty good. Um he was happy with his bullpen today. Sharp throwing hard of course looked like he didn't skip the beat so he's are all smiles and happy to get back as well
0: oh that that's really good have you thought about what you kind of got you guys might be looking at when you get all you guys and and Sean Manaya, um you know Jesus you AJ maybe even a few other guys back sort of in the second half what what the team might look like with all these really good options coming up
1: yeah, I, I think it, it'll be a fun group of guys, you know, like uh, a lot of young talent, uh, a lot of long, a lot of young power talent. So, yeah, I think it'll be fun, you know, to uh, come back and help contribute to the team and hopefully have a shot of going to the playoffs. You know, I think that's the that's the main goal and that's the key, and the guys are all about it.
0: When you first were hurt last March uh, in 2018, was it? had you been feeling any issues beforehand or was it one of those where you just, you know, something happened on a pitch and you knew it?
1: Um, I, I won't say it happened on a pitch, but um, maybe I can pinpoint can that pitch because after I threw that pitch, it, it felt like a normal pitch, but it just felt like you broke up a little bit. And I didn't think anything of it, but I, after that day, like if my elbow just wasn't bouncing back the same, but I could still pitch and after every outing was getting tight, tighter and tighter. So I would say I'm going to think about the pitch. I think it was the last pitch in my first game against the Padres when I struck out, I think Aja Ellis, that's when I felt like a little tissue breaking up and I've, I've felt it before. So I didn't think anything of it, but, uh, I think that was probably the pitch that it happened on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think maybe not everybody understands that Major League pitchers, you often have things going on in your arm, right? Like, like you, it's very seldom you actually feel like 100% great. So it's kind of hard exactly. to know sometimes, right? What, what what, may or may not be going on in there.
1: Exactly, and, and that's one of my biggest problems as well right now because before I got hurt, like, I didn't feel anything. My arm felt great, and now um, they're telling me I got to, go out there and pitch not feeling the best sometimes because that's the normal Tommy John progress like you're not gonna feel 100 percent. so now it's forcing me to become a pitcher and not not a thrower now because you know I gotta learn my effort level and compete with what I got you know
0: does it does it take a while for you to kind of um you know put any sort of anxiety out of your mind about you know Throwing and just maybe not feeling like not worrying. Maybe if you don't feel a hundred percent, that something's gone wrong.
1: Oh, um, I think talking to other guys, they say it takes a while. It takes about uh, some guys it takes about two years. Um, talking to Jesus he told me it took him about fourteen to fifteen months, and uh, I'm close to that fourteen month mark, and that's when my arm is actually starting to feel almost back to normal. So I just, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking it's just by time. Hopefully, hopefully by the 15 month mark, I'm at least 95 to 100%, you know, like that would be great. But um, it's not, you know, I got to deal with it and I just got to go out there and compete. And I, I think mentally I can do it.
0: That's great. Well, Jarrell Cotton, thanks so much for joining us on A's Plus. We're looking forward to seeing you back in an A's uniform really soon.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been an honor.
0: Our thanks to Jarrell Cotton for joining us today. We will be right back with Chris Townsend. We've got Chris Townsend back on A's Plus, the A's pre- and post-game host, and Chris, this week, you will also be doing the radio broadcasts with Vince Catronio from Detroit and Cleveland. How excited are you about that?
2: I am. You know, I've done it before, and it's just been uh, it's been a whirlwind since I took over this gig. Like everything that goes on, there's been some PA work to be done when Dick Callahan had his uh, uh, we celebrated his 1,000th game. But I'm really excited about it. it's going to be a lot of fun and, and, and being with Vince Catronio uh, on the A's radio network and really getting a chance. You know, because sometimes play by play we get into so much of just balls and strikes. But I think the thing that I like about what I'm doing is to be able to tell stories, right? And to be able to tell stories about this ball club and and, and to talk about all the things that we go through. Because when you follow a team on a day-to-day basis, as you know, there's a lot of interesting things that, that fans never hear about.
0: Absolutely, yeah. What, what's jumped out at you lately? I mean, we seems like we've been writing a lot about the bullpen. I'm assuming you've been talking a lot about the bullpen, particularly post-game lately.
2: What I'm kind of getting fascinated about is that front offices do not want their starters to go through the lineup a third time. But what ends up happening is you start burning out your bullpen because they're now pitching more innings than ever before. And then once you start burning out your bullpen, they come back saying, well, we need more innings out of our starters. So this is this fine dance that these front offices are doing right now with how much are you going to work your bullpen, and you're trying to teach these kids in the minor leagues not to throw deep in games. So unless they're going to expand the roster, it's a tricky situation between who's eating up the majority of your innings. Is it the starters or is it the relievers?
0: How much of a challenge do you feel like this is for managers in this day and age when you're kind of, you know, you've got a front office that is telling you one thing, and then you're looking and seeing maybe who's available on it. A given night I think people you know don't realize that availability it's not just did the guy pitch the night before or maybe the two nights before how many times did he get up in those games is he maybe just feeling like he needs an extra day off which sometimes that happens um, you know there's all sorts of reasons guys may or may not be available so it's not like a, a manager has seven guys available on a given night it's more often five sometimes it's four and then if you're talking like you're talking about, maybe a starter only get going through the lineup two, two and a half times, that's tough for a manager.
2: Yeah, it's like last night on, on my uh, post-game show. People are like, why isn't trying it in? Well, he was not available. And something that I think baseball fans need to realize, that front offices working with man, with the manager, it's happening in all sports. Absolutely. Look at the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. The Golden State Warriors front office is constantly working with Steve Kerr. Right. No one complains about that, right? right? No. So, so, so the, the fact that the front office is going to help make decisions that happen on the court, on yeah. the field, it, is a part of the game. But it's really tough on managers. Managers, because, like right now, Bob Melvin could have maybe two guys available for tonight. But Brett Anderson's only going to get you five, six innings. I mean, how do you get 27 outs? I think that is so tough for managers. And also, since they're pitching these relievers so much, and relievers are throwing harder than ever before, they've got to protect these guys too.
0: Absolutely, there's no doubt about it. Um, When I asked Melvin before the game, What's your bullpen look like tonight? And he said, Brett Anderson and Brett Anderson. <laughs> so that's, uh, that lets you know how he was joking. So, you know, there's a couple guys available, but uh, Blake is one of them, so that's nice. But, yeah, it's it's uh, tough. And when a team plays four, extra innings four times in eight games, as the A's have coming into this final game in Seattle, I mean, what what can you do? I, I kind of laugh when I see – fans on Twitter or listen to fans call into you complaining about bullpen usage in the in extra innings. It's a crapshoot sometimes when you get to the bullpen in extra innings, particularly in the 13th inning or, or something like that.
2: Yeah, the A's have played... The most extra inning games in the american league and not only are we playing extra inning games here we're playing really long games we're talking three hours and 48 minutes three hours and 41 minutes even the mike fires no hitter there was an hour and 38 minute delay because of the light tower and when you play these long games and they lose I mean, you, you know, in Pittsburgh, in Toronto, what we saw last night, I mean, you play those long, epic games and you lose. It's very taxing on the team, no question.
0: Well, let's talk about some of the more positive things. Um, you know, we know the A's rely a lot on the homer, maybe to a little too much of an extent sometimes. But uh, even though they lost the first game in Seattle, they get five home runs and Chris Davis hits two of them after, you know, a 20-game homerless drought, which that, that's starting to be pretty significant.
2: Wouldn't you say, and we see it quite a bit, that when someone signs a contract extension, and we see it a lot when someone's like a free agent, you're seeing Bryce Harper struggle right now, you start trying to justify the contract on every single at-bat, you get in your head, these are human beings, they know it's a lot of money, and money can mess with you. And Chris Davis, it was just good to see him get back on the board, because as he goes, so goes this offense. And you think of Matt Olson finally coming back, hitting a few home runs, so whether we like it or not how how much they rely on home runs they are who they are
0: they sure right are. <laughs> and if, if
2: they're not hitting home runs they're not going to win so we need to see them hit home runs if they're going to get w's and once again and this is amazing think how many years you've covered this team this franchise the players change the manager the coaches but this franchise always gets out to a slow start
0: yeah yeah absolutely i went through it last week and i i mean that 2001 team The Jason Giambi, Johnny Damon, big three team. uh, That might have been the most talented team the A's have had here. That was the year they lost uh, the Derek Jeter flip. Um, But uh, sorry to bring that up, everyone. But that team, I recall, was off to such a bad start, uh, worse than this team's start. Johnny Damon in May, May, late May, was saying we're all going to get traded. We're all going to be packing our bags here in the next month. We're all getting shipped out, you know. And of course, they wind up winning the division, and, and everything was fine. But it was that year was a slow start. 2003 was a really slow start. 2006 was a slow start. Of course, we remember 2012, uh, and then last year. I mean, we've just got last year to look at. They they got hot in mid June and and took it from there. Remember when the young core of guys was all together at the end of 2017? They had a great September. This is a team that likes to close fast.
2: It's weird. It's just, it, it's you get so many instances of not starting fast. And you mentioned 2012, it's like, they had the best record on from June 2nd. They hit the most home runs. Yep. But it's like, why can't they get out to a good start, <laughs> make it easy on themselves? Because, you know, the Astros won again today. Yeah. I just mentioned it on our broadcast. They've got a seven-game winning streak. And they've scored like 45 runs in four games. So you are you start getting to a point to where you got to realize you're not going to catch the Astros. And now you're just playing for a wild card. And we know how tough that is. But this team has. To, I, I hate the fact that you put yourself in a hole, and now you got to play Harry Houdini to get out of it.
0: Right. Um, what What other things do you are you seeing lately that you like? Are there some you know the defense by and large, especially now that far has sort of started to turn things around a little bit defensively. Um, the defense continues to be really generally a plus, particularly on that left side of the infield.
2: I had a conversation with Bob Melvin today on AceCast, is where you get the uh, Powered by TuneIn, the TuneIn app is where you get the Bob Melvin show. And I said, listen, there's been a lot of great third baseman, right? Brooks Robinson won all those gold gloves. Mike Schmidt was phenomenal. I don't know if we've ever seen anybody with the lateral movement, the arm strength, the athleticism. Arenado a great third baseman, but I don't know if we've seen anybody with the true total package as a defensive player is that we've seen with Matt Chapman, especially with the arm. The arm is so special. It's unbelievable. So I think we are watching. Marcus Simeon is one of the great turnaround stories I've seen in all my years covering the game. Marcus Simeon was bad. He led the league. He led the world in, in errors and was saved a lot. He could have made a lot more if first basemans didn't pick him up. And now he's arguably the best defensive shortstop right now in the American League, numbers wise. What a, I mean, So there are truly some great stories going on. How about Fagley? Fegley, yeah. He's he's 31 years old. He's healthy for the first time in his career, and he's he's throwing out runners. He's hitting what he's doing th- from the nine hole. So I think there are definitely some good stories.
0: Yeah, and you and I were really concerned about the catching mm-hmm. situation coming in, particularly once Chris Herman gets hurt, and then you know two weeks ago uh, Sean Murphy gets hurt, and he's down for probably a good month and a half. So you go like, ah, oh, it's really Fegley. Fegley is carrying the load, and man. He's doing a nice job. So yeah, there's some good things. Um, Kendris Morales gets traded today to the Yankees. Obviously, there was no spot for him once Matt Olsen came back and once Canna was off the DL. But you know what? I think he gave the team a little more than maybe people from the outside saw. Did you kind of see some of his interactions and the way, just the way he carried himself in the clubhouse and the leadership he showed in, in really a brief time?
2: You know, he can help teach young guys how to be pros. That's what veterans like him can do. And as Bob said, it was tough to, to make that move because of uh, because what he meant, meant to these young players in such a short time, short time right? Yeah. And, and and we keep talking about these young guys and this young, really good core, but they are still really young. And that's why when you looked at Lou Croix last year, you looked at certain guys that come in here and can help these young guys and really teach them how to be pros. Uh, but obviously, you know, we knew no matter what he did, he wasn't going to be here long term. He could have actually knocked the ball out of the ballpark and been great and he's still because Matt Olson's the first baseman. So uh, at least he contributed from a standpoint of the clubhouse and truly being one of Bob's favorite guys in a very short time.
0: Yeah, I mean, just a pro, real pro. Um, I surprised a little bit about them deciding to let Edwin Jackson go when he winds up with an opportunity in Toronto, a little bit like the um, Jerry Blovin situation. Um, you know, when they kind of let him go for a better deal, too. And both of them were guys you think, "Eh, on this roster, maybe they could help you.
2: I was absolutely shocked by the Edwin Jackson, and I think the reality is, I'm not buying that. Well, he had an opportunity in Toronto, and we always give a guy an opportunity. Did
0: I have one
2: here? I, don't, I, I just don't think they're, they're big Edwin Jackson fans in the front office, yeah. and that's why they didn't sign him in the offseason. They waited to where they could get him at the, at the smallest price, and then he has one bad outing, and then they ship him off. I don't think they're big Edwin Jackson fans, and I don't understand why they won 14 of his 17 starts. Yeah. Once again, a veteran guy that everybody liked. Everyone loved. And, love. and, I'm, and, and I'm thinking to myself, when you're starting Aaron Brooks and this guy, you know, because he's out of options, I mean, I just, I thought Edwin Jackson was on the fast track to get here because they need starting pitching and they need someone who can give them innings.
0: Yeah, I think we can safely assume someone really loves Aaron Brooks. And, you know, yeah, sure, he's out of options. But, you know, at some point you got to want to win games, right? I mean, that's got to be the – very happy to see Daniel Magdon here. He deserved it, um, you know, with the work he did last year and then obviously was pitching very well. Uh in vegas but um yeah i would have liked to see them hang on to edwin jackson and maybe see if he could help them but you know there's they're, they're going to start getting some of these injured pitchers back soon that's going to be fun when we've got jarell cotton and aj puck and Shamaniah and jesus Lazardo down the road maybe available um but at that point are you how close are you? You need to stick close enough for those guys to to make a difference when they can make a difference.
2: And if you don't stay close, would you even bring them up and pitch them? Especially yeah. I'm talking about not Cotton, yes, but the younger guys. Would you save them to say, "Oh, we'll see you next year"? Yeah. If you're not close, and 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 that's another game I hate coming playing coming off an injury. I I you know these guys they're not they're not pitching in games yeah, right they're not i mean they're still so far marco estrada's not throwing the baseball hayes loose Lazaro, aj puck i mean throwing the hitters is nice i know cotton's starting to get into action but it's that's a tricky game to re- rely on guys who are hurt to then say they're going to come back and pitch pitch so well that that's going to get you into the postseason
0: right i'd rather have edwin jackson for the next month than thoughts of aj puck in two months
2: yeah, no doubt about it. Why? Because he he proved to us he can still win, yes. and the velocity was there.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a the, that and the Jerry Blevins one to me, are a little bit of head scratchers. So, um, but you know they like to keep us on our toes. The A's front office, and uh, you know usually they, they tend to have some reasons for whether it's all it's all about the metrics somewhere. I'm telling you, Tony, it's got to do with metrics.
2: Well, it, well, the, the 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 fascinating thing about baseball now is we used to in the Moneyball era. We use sabermetrics, which were essentially math equations. Now, what we're using with StatCast and Rapsado and and Trackman and everything, it's science, it's radar. I've I've had this conversation with uh, David Forrest about how it's not like what it used to be. That was great, but now everybody's using this brand new, well, it's not really brand new technology because you think golf was using uh, Trackman in the early 90s, you know, because they're trying to sell golf clubs and they're trying to see how the ball reacts off the club. But this stuff, you know, it's it's so prevalent in baseball now and each team looks at this kind of information, this kind of data differently. Right. So what the Rays are doing compared to what the Dodgers are doing or the Red Sox or the A's, we don't know really the difference, but we know they all have these major think tanks and they believe and what whatever the whatever their stuff is, they truly believe in it one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Tony, we are so looking forward to hearing you call these games upcoming in Detroit and Cleveland.
2: No matter what, at least
0: I'm going to have fun. Yeah, and we will too. Thanks so much for joining us on A's Plus. You're the best. You can hear Chris Townsend on 860 AM, the A's pre and post game shows, plus the TuneIn app. Listen to A's Cast. Our producers today were Libby Coleman, and King Kaufman will be back later in the week with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the Editor-in-Chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at SanFranciscoChronicle.com slash subscribe.